1: This part two on um, this very difficult topic
0: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where do we end we ended on talking about this thing about uh, structures of questions and answers and arguments which is something that we didn't mention explicitly Yes, uh, and how philosophy is very big on asking the right questions at the right time in the right way um And pursuing the answers in a specific way, and when coming upon answers, scrutinizing them rationally mm-hmm. uh very much so right like the, one of the things I always say is, if you think you're gonna come in here and we're just gonna say like, Here are my feelings about this thing, here's my <laughs> opinion. I think this thing is true, I like it, then That's you're going to learn really quickly. You're going to have a difficult time in the class because it doesn't matter if you say like, I like blue because it's blue and it's blue, right? Like you actually have to justify your answers. And this is like, in some sense, uh, the hardest hurdle to overcome. Like one of the things I found, and I'm sure let me know if this is the same for you, is that philosophy winds up being much more technical and Rigorous to use the bad word. I <laughs> put that in quotes. Um, technical and rigorous, then students wind up these <laughs> laughing. There's a reason for that. But um <laughs> so it's super rigorous. It's never gonna not be. If you're trying to make it not that, then you're not doing philosophy. But yeah. Um and because they have this assumption that it is just gonna be like campfire story time hour. Yeah. Um and so this figuring out how to give reasons for things and like there could be strong reasons and weak reasons is hard because to connect to the thing we opened up the first part with it makes you think yes it makes you have to sit with something for more than a second and it's hard and it it causes discomfort in the short term which is so weird (laughs) <laughs> like what's the state of things where like thinking about something causes discomfort oh, I get a headache
1: thinking about this I have more than one <laughs> student saying that I, I get out of this class with a headache because I, I'm thinking too hard mm. um, but yeah it's it's funny that you say that because today I was talking about stoicism in class oh good good and we were you know I was asking them questions like so what is why do you feel angry when this you know to go to the passionate stuff mm-hmm. I was trying to make the point that whenever you or whatever passion over, you know, kind of uh, take take hold of you, You you def- doesn't feel well, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the Stoics are trying to avoid that. And what I'm saying, I'm asking, and there's the student that says, well, I am like this, so I get like this a lot. I'm like, why do you get like this? And then I caught myself doing that, and then I turned to the students and was like, I know it sounds like a therapy session, but this is not what it is. Mm. I'm not asking you. How you feel? How do we do this? How we, that's not what I'm trying to do here. Just stay with me here, right? And I think that that's correct. That is, I'm making people understand that the fact that, that what we're trying to do is come up with the best argument possible regarding something, and that it becomes a very rigorous search. It's hard. Mm. And I also think that we are so used to see things We're so used to see the final product of things for all the reasons that we said before that whenever, even when you say that we are elaborating Mm -hmm. reasoning and arguments and we're choosing the best argument, people tend to believe that that means that what we're getting at is not a real answer, that is rather a construct, a temporary Mm -hmm. construct Mm -hmm. that we're going to have there. But in reality... If I can come up with something smarter, then the thing can go away. And I do not I'm you know, differently than than before. I'm not saying that we should change word. This is what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're just not used to understand that as you were saying at the very beginning of the last episode, that this process is in place for everything else. Mm-hmm. Philosophy, if anything, is more honest because it's telling you that's that. That's
0: a good way of looking
1: at it. It's telling you that. It's telling you, look, this is what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. To the best of our ability, we seem to have forgotten. I guess, I guess we got very prideful eventually in our history hmm. and in our cultural history. And we now think that we have the abilities, the capabilities, if you want, to get to this ultimate answer in a way that's conclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the philosopher is the gnat that's nagging you, Mm -hmm. telling you, big guy (laughs) (laughs) Like you got a big head now, right? But this is not what it is. You're just this is what we're doing. We're building arguments and that's all there is to it, to the best of our ability. And maybe our ability they might never be enough Mm -hmm. to get to this ultimate, assuming that, you know, that we can. Uh, to this ultimate truth, but we can always approximate, right? Yeah, and that's just being honest with the fact that this is what we're doing in every aspect. Is what philosophy that it keeps us honest, amongst other things.
0: So I think that's right. I think honest is a great word, uh, authentic to go back to yeah. something we talked yeah. about in the past. Two things I'm thinking of. One, like an example I had this semester was we talked about um, Aquinas's five ways, mm-hmm. right? That you can prove God's existence. Um, which already it's weird that I have to explain like I don't necessarily believe this <laughs> or not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yes, they're always like, but what do you think? And I'm like, I don't exist, right? I'm here to embody the arguments. Um, a lot of people don't do that in other disciplines, and that's a, that's a problem. But um, even in our discipline, even in our discipline, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'll be like, okay, do you think Aquinas is making a logical argument? What are the problems with it? What is he doing right? And I'll ask, and I'll be like, I don't don't agree with it. And I'll be like, all right, that's cool. Tell me why. I don't know. I just don't like it. I just don't believe in God. And I'm like, that's fine. Why don't you believe in God, right? Because we're not focusing on random feelings like, I'm hungry. You know, it's like there has to be some reason. And if there's not, then you don't really believe the thing. You're just like being... repeating. right. You're being like how a baby is like, meh, right? I just feel the (laughs) thing and I cry out. Um, So I'll continuously have to be like, when I ask you something, you have to be prepared, A, to explain it. If there's one, my favorite thing in philosophy, it's being able to clearly articulate things. Good explanation is like 90% of the battle. Um, And in addition to that, it's being able to explain, do that again, your reasons for or against something and there's this thing like well what do you mean i'm allowed to think whatever i want you can't tell me otherwise and it's like you could think whatever you want but the point is like if you saw someone and this is an extreme example but i think it gets the point across if you saw someone in a math class like you know you have math problems just two plus three and then you're like it's five and then someone's like well i think it's seven and then I'd be like, well, why do you think it's seven? And they're like, well, because I just feel it. I'm like, uh, that's okay, but we have to get beyond that. And I know that's not exactly what's happening, but it's in a loose way the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and with regard to what you said, this is the second thing I was thinking about um, getting too like pompous or whatever or mm-hmm. arrogant, I'm thinking like, you know how when you get good at something, you no longer... Have to think about it, yeah. Um, so it's like when you first start driving, you're really hyper aware of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. ten and two, and I got to do these things and press the gas in this way. And to get good at it means, in some sense, to not have to do that, yeah, right. Because it's just like an extension of your body, and and there's a practical component to that. If you had to think about every little thing that happened, you would be just like a weird paralyzed computer person. Um, so there's there's good things in that. But when you do that, you lose sight of, like, the underlying background code, right? And so when you do science and all these other things, they've lost sight of that underlying background Mm. code. And forget the fact that, like, the things they're claiming uh, make certain presuppositions. And... Maybe they're not presuppositions in the weakest sense, but they are claims. Absolutely, right? And they're claims that could be true or false. And maybe it's good to believe that they're true because they're justified. But at the end of the day, they do make claims, right? Yeah. And they make certain arguments for claims. And what a lot of other disciplines do is they they don't start from the base level meta position of like what are our claims and what are our arguments yes they start with like here are the absolute things and like we're telling you how to function in that and this is why one of my favorite definitions of philosophy is and i forget who it was so i feel bad about that uh (laughs) john Campbell. it's uh thinking in slow motion Mm -hmm. like and my whole second class is like let's think in slow motion right because i always say Your mind is like the master chess player that's so good at reality and living that it doesn't even think about the things that it does. Like you came in here. No one thought like I'm going to grab the metal object with this velocity and twist with my right hand and push it in a certain way. And like you don't do that. right? You just mastered it so you don't think about it. And the philosopher says, hey, what happened there? Mm -hmm. Let's like take an inhale and exhale and really think about the things you don't ever think about. Yes. And so the slow motion is key. And I feel like that's responsible not only for general arrogance and assumptions and, and unwillingness to reason, but it's also at the heart of like why the, the less meta disciplined and disciplined, <laughs> disciplines do the thing that they do.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That, you're right. Yeah, I agree 100%. And this, this is exactly uh, where I was going with. And and I think that it's kind of sad we're in a sad state of affairs to, to, to use Wittgenstein, right? Mm. We're in a sad state of affairs um when this has become so difficult for people to do, especially young people. And it's always become this old process, this thinking in slow motion, this creating arguments, there's building this building all, all those things. When it has become so alien to them that they need reminders that this is the way it is and that, they, that whoever does that is discredited almost mm-hmm. as wanting to waste time doing things that we don't need to do. Because mm. I think that philosophy is seen as a waste of time sometimes, right? Um, I think so. I think we have established that philosophy does a couple of things here already, right? Number one, we said that he, creates this this uh, this building that we can call the building on knowledge right mm-hmm. we said in the first episode where the f- philosophy is responsible for the creation we have said of the of the questions but he also uses the answers as mm. building blocks right mm-hmm. for this building we also said it's a method right a disposition. we mm-hmm. said that we use and today now we're saying that we used to keep honest somewhat the other disciplines, to ground the other disciplines, and to reflect, truly reflect, on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also said that, and I think that's the last thing that you say partially, it is the, well, amongst the last things that you say, is, is the ability to create and justify arguments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that this is... Um, a matter of the uniqueness uh, of philosophy, the fact that philosophy is probably the only disposition, again, that's able to reflect among, amongst, uh, about itself, mm. to think it's this meta-level which we're talking about, to make it more explicit. It is the mind thinking about the mind, if you want, right?
0: It uses itself to evaluate itself. Yeah, which is yeah.
1: problematic, right?
0: Yes, from like the Wittgensteinian sense, yeah. or like anything, right? It, it doesn't, it can't take that step out of the system. Um, but that said, it does use its own tools to try and keep itself honest.
1: Exactly, and to try to check for errors, right? Mm-hmm. Because reasoning is this this weird thing, right? Where the only check for reasoning is more reasoning. Yes, <laughs> there is nothing else. You yes. can check if you made a reasoning mistake through reasoning which is strange right because Mm -hmm. you're trying to correct the thing with the same thing
0: and people are gonna be like hey wait a second isn't science trying to correct itself all the time and like keeping itself honest and i would say to some extent in its best form yes i wouldn't say otherwise what we are saying is that Science is limited to specific types of reason about specific types of things, whereas the philosophers, they ask the kinds of questions about things that are already assumed to be true in science that they don't Mm -hmm. provide arguments for because they're accepted as axioms, even though they're like corollaries rather than axioms. Um, And the philosopher uses like deductive reasoning, for example, in a way um, that other things do not use.
1: Yeah. So... On that note, right? <laughs> and again, I will go a step forward here again and say, does science correct its mistake? Does it try to get better? Uh, I don't think so. Well, science does something different. I think that science tries to find always the new answer to the same question. But there is no correcting the question. The question or the course uh, that is being taken. Okay. I'm always it's like science is like doing science is like trying always trying to find the most comfortable shoes. You get you buy one pair of shoes, they're comfortable, they're very comfortable, they last a little bit, and then you want shoes that are more comfortable and better and newer. You get to another one. Mm-hmm. And I I use the and I say comfortable and not just new because science is not something that you know, is always looking for whatever is trendy, not necessarily, right, right? right? But is looking for something that really has value and really has, uh, how can we say, uh, a function. Utility. It has a, exactly, sorry. That was, that was the, the, the right, the right uh, word. Something that has a specific utility. But how do you buy always the most comfortable shoes? You just go from this shoe store to this other shoe store to this mm-hmm. other shoe store. Maybe you go online, but you're still going to a store. You're still doing the same thing. You're trying them on, you walk on them, you put them back. It never, you never wear your shoe on your head.
0: Mm. Or look for a not shoe.
1: Exactly, or look for something that's not a shoe.
0: Okay, so the goal remains the same, and the approach towards the goal remains the same, and all the building blocks of the approach remain exactly.
1: the same. So all the changes is the result. And again, I know I'm generalizing and I know that sometimes, you know, to use Kuhn, uh, Thomas Kuhn terminology, there are moments in which there are scientific revolutions. Mm -hmm. And maybe those are the limited situations where some of those things are called in question. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, in periods of what he calls normal science, this is all that's happening. I'm just looking for the next result Mm -hmm. using the same thing. Philosophy I content does the opposite.
0: That's what Kierkegaard said, right? Yes. Makes things more difficult.
1: Yes. He actually, we might be content, and sometimes philosophers will do that. Let's say, if it's a religious philosopher, he is content with the result that somebody has has have found that God exists, mm-hmm. but he's not convinced that that's the right way to get there, and he calls in question the ways because, yeah, you think you proved that, but you didn't really prove it. To prove it, you can only prove it this way. Mm. Think of Spinoza with the card right? Mm-hmm. Spinoza's like, "Yeah, you're right. You are right. There is, you know, there is a substance there. There is substances there, and there is unique. But then, then you, René Descartes, you fall into this idea of thinking there is two of them. It's impossible because a substance has to be. So Spinoza is content with the discovery that comes from Descartes, but is not content with the way the card goes about it. It's not mm. the result is the process there? And sometimes the process in philosophy will lead to a new approach, to a new to a new uh, result, we can say. Mm. And this goes back to the more complete kind of uh, approach to philosophy ever compared with everything else. With philosophy, you can always have new ways, new questions, new results mm-hmm. with science, you can only have new results.
0: And this is because with philosophy, you are limited to reason, but yes. reason has different types of itself. Whereas with something like scientific method or any other method, you always reason, but you only reason within one specific type. Yes. And that I think that's kind of what we're saying. So yes, we're bound by the laws of thought. We're bound by logic. But that gets you... Like a hell of a lot more than like, you know, you'd have the light and then you narrow it to a, mm-hmm. a a focal point stream or whatever with the flashlight. And this, I think, raises an interesting point, which is we've talked about this before, but philosophy is logic in the broadest sense. Yes. Um, science is not logic. Definitely not. And I feel like this is not obvious. Mm-hmm. right like people are like, well, "What do you mean? Science is logical. It's rational." I'm like, "That's not what that means." Like, because there's this whole distinction between things that are rational and things that are empirical, right? Things that are pertaining to thought and thought alone, versus things that pertain to the external world. Mm-hmm. And science is a, by definition, an empirical enterprise. Yes. Sure. Whereas what philosophy does, it says, "Hey, the the empirical stuff." Um, it's there and it's important and we need to draw connections to it and we need to establish what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also this like pre-empirical, rational stuff that needs to be worked out. So we're talking about definitions. We're talking about relations between definitions, right? Concepts. You talk about concept creation, right? Relations between ideas, to use uh, Hume's phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we don't, this goes to Aristotle, we don't just talk about Bill when he's sick. And what thing we gave Bill to make him not sick. Yes. We talk about humans could Mm -hmm. have this kind of condition. And in situations where there are humans with this kind of condition, you're giving this kind of cure. In other words, you're taking a step back from the concrete particulars and talking about abstract universals. And Aristotle talks about the difference between experience and skill. Mm -hmm. And experience is like, oh... I, I know in this situation of a particular thing what to happen, and that's good. But the skill is being able to figure out the connections between yes. the particulars and the causes of the particulars and like the 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 universal principles that are responsible for the particulars being what what they'll be. And of course you don't stay in the realm of the abstract. You have to be prudent, which yeah. is knowing how to connect these things. But yes. this is the all-encompassing thing, whereas some things stay with the, the most concrete particulars. Other things talk about kind of mid-level universals. I think philosophers are the ones that try and talk about the mm-hmm. lowest level yeah. universals and how they relate to the yeah, and particulars.
1: He also plays, and I like the, the analogy that you were making, and I think that Philosophy is almost by definition what fills in these gaps that we see sometimes mm. amongst pieces. You know, we get from one thing to another in a specific science and we don't know how we got there. But we're so used to not knowing how we got there that we don't even demand to see how we got there. Mm-hmm. And philosophy will be the thing that connects these things. Because these questions, this questions, this, this inquiry, if you want, that it's there. Uh, yeah, so... Absolutely agreed with that. So that's another level, right? Mm-hmm. So philosophy does this other thing. And as you guys can can hear here, we com- complexity seems to be another, mm. another level to add when we define philosophy. And I'm not saying that biology is not complex, right? But philosophy has a different level of complexity. Even what it does is complex to the point that we need to say different things and they all are together and they all can be used to explain what this thing that we do is.
0: The fact that the Freedom Tower is taller than the Sears Tower does not mean that the Sears Tower is not tall.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so it is complex. And he also has another level, which I think we need to talk about before the episode ends, because otherwise we are missing a huge aspect Mm -hmm. of that. Philosophy is... Again, if you are a philosopher, if you're not just teaching philosophy, it's a different thing. You are just a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a philosopher, and I I said this kind of in the beginning, but I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into that. It's also personal. Mm. Being a philosopher is different than being a biologist in the sense that the experience of being a philosopher transforms you, if you want, in a very different way than the experience of being a biologist transforms you. Mm -hmm. It is, you are in, there is a a subjective, and again, this is going to sound wrong here, right? Subjective, not in the sense that peculiar to the individual. The subject is involved in the philosophical inquiry much more than the subject is involved in the biological inquiry. So we're told right mm-hmm. uh and it's not just the 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 fact that philosophers have figured out this thing that we always say that there is no look from nowhere right mm-hmm. It's not the eye of God it's not that we have figured it out, and others have not. I hope that the biologist knows that also that's not true, right, but I think that there is something about our personal being our in our subjective being that is invested within this disposition that is very different from the way in which a biologist is invested in that disposition
0: yeah i mean it has this very like intimate attachment to the human condition mm-hmm. right what it is like to be mm-hmm. um it feels like something it's not mechanized and and a thing that's different from you that you can choose like when and when Mm-hmm. Not to do it. Of course, you could do a not do philosophy. What I mean by that is, like, that element of the the subject. I want to say the qualia of the subject, but like the what it's like of the subject is an integral part of the discipline. It can't it can't be
1: yeah. can't be picked, picked and choose. Yes.
0: Um, and I wonder if what you're thinking, because I was thinking this, is that so philosophy on the one hand talks about matters concerning what is. But it also concerns matters of what should be. Yeah. And this should be stuff um ultimately is related to this this way uh, that one bees in mm-hmm. a manner of speaking.
1: Uh definitely. So there is the how can we say the the breadth of the field that we that again that encompasses also this should be stuff mm-hmm. where other disciplines don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um but also on a more intimate level, I always say I always say a couple of things that, you know, they sound the way they sound. I don't care. Um, first thing is then doing philosophy is dangerous business, mm-hmm. while being a biologist usually is not. I mean I mean if you're a scientist, an experiment can go wrong and you die there, right? But right. it's not the kind of danger. Or like mission. if you're
0: Galileo or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: But being doing philosophy is dangerous business. And doing philosophy Involves again, it's in the word. I always say this. You know that involves this thing that's love, <laughs> which should tell us something. Should mm-hmm. tell us that it's radically different than just a logo. A logo, right? There is an investment there that is different. And why is it dangerous? Because you really, you're really putting yourself out there. There is yes. that sort of, if you want, uh, vulnerability to use the term mm-hmm. that you like, right? Uh, that needs to be there to be a philosopher. Because being a philosopher means like really, really showing all those passages, showing all these things that are going on and be like, and this is how you get there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's dangerous because people take advantage of that because they will be like, by using this, so, right? Uh, but it's not just that. It's, 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 there is, there is a risk there. There is an element of a risk. Yeah, I think you're right. Like you have
0: to, it ultimately points back at you Yeah. and you can't hide mm-hmm. from yourself. You can't hide from your own thoughts. I always mm-hmm. tell people like when they're writing papers, whatever, it's like, you can't, you can't BS this kind of thing, nope. right? Because, right, you're, you're standing in front of me. So you can't like, I don't know, just put your hands in front of your <laughs> face and pretend you're not there. So yeah, I think vulnerability is a big part of it. And that's what makes it scary right because to be vulnerable you have to be open and honest with yourself and like what is anything but people you know like how many people are not open and honest <laughs> with themselves right this is just like kind of a thing that people people go through um and you don't want to get hurt mm-hmm. right and so you'll do things merely for the sake of not getting hurt mm-hmm. and so there's this like idea that safety is the most important thing Uh, and of course like I don't literally mean physical safety although there's a parallel to be made with that Um, it's like my sense of self right my identity um, the ease with which my life typically runs can be challenged by these things absolutely so if if your goal is preserving that at all costs at never coming to terms with who you are never looking in the mirror, so to speak, well, then, of course, you're going to like put all these roadblocks there that's going to prevent you from doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think to do philosophy well is to say, I'm not going to put those roadblocks
1: well, there. Well, that's, that's Socrates, right? Know yourself first of all, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then that's what what you need to to uncover first. Mm-hmm. And then you can go and, and do everything else. And it's not just ethics that does that. It's not just the normative stuff. I mean, it's not just the 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 evaluation of what is right and wrong, or uh, it's 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 everything that it, is, that is involved. That's a prerequisite of philosophy. Mm-hmm. The, the involvement, the, the personal involvement, that the uh, the being, and we we talked about this I think during the Q and A uh, episode, right? You need to be there fully. Mm. You need to be a philosopher all the time yes you don't need to be acting philosophically all the time but you need to be a philosopher all the time Mm -hmm. it's that you cannot and if if you're able to switch the thing off then probably you're not a real philosopher
0: yeah i think the way you you said it in that one was like you have to be the philosophical perceiver Mm -hmm. at all times even if you're not like the active analytic scrutinizer uh philosopher all the time and that seems to be right. It has like this this heavy weight, right? Yep. I'm thinking of that the 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 intro textbook. Um, there's like this existential
1: burden almost burden <laughs>
0: yeah. to it mm-hmm. um, that isn't involved <laughs> in
1: other things. And think of the way you know it's ah, so yeah. real. He's a philosopher. Whatever, right? It's like yeah. There, there's also this dismissive aspect that comes with it. Yes. That makes it even heavier, right? Because not only you're doing all those things that we're describing, but you also have to endure the fact that people generally do not validate the things that you're doing. So it is risky also from that perspective. It's not something. If you're a scientist, oh, he's a scientist. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's a philosopher. What?
0: Yeah.
1: It's first of all. I don't know if this happens to you too. Um, I think you have told me that it happens to you. So you do psychology? There, are you a psychologist? No. Philosophy. Well, same thing, right? Nope.
0: Yeah, I feel like for years, uh my dad would say that. And just like other people would be like, Oh, you do psychology, right? And I'm like, uh, even students, like yeah. this is bizarre to me. Like they'll come into class and then they'll be there for a couple of weeks and they'll send me an email like, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm in your intro to psychology class. <laughs> and I'm like, how could you first of all be in a class for that long and like not know what the (laughs) the class is that's like when they don't know my name by the end of the semester i'm like what are you doing back there man um it's very disheartening and i just you know i like kind of i'm like tongue in cheek i'll respond like oh are you are you sure you want to talk to me because i don't teach a psychology (laughs) class (laughs) and just put that middle step to be funny or whatever um but yeah, it's like it's treated as a non thing, mm-hmm. and it's this weird, absurd situation in the in the true like Camusiest sense mm-hmm. of like imagine the thingliest thing being treated as if it is the most non thingliest.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's like it's almost it's invisible, right? It's invisible. It not is. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but again, maybe maybe we are. Um maybe we love this thing so much that that we can that we are unable to see this. Maybe maybe these people are right. Maybe this is useless. Maybe we're crazy. Maybe this is useless, <laughs> right? Um and I actually often said philosophy is useless. Mm-hmm. Uh in the sense that it doesn't serve any specific purpose. Or that it doesn't have to by necessity. Exactly, and it doesn't serve any master, therefore. Mm. And it's useless, and I always say this, but it's the most important out of all disciplines. It's Aristotle's idea, right? Useless, but the most important. And people are usually like, what? Do yeah, you mean-? it's
0: the best and the, the least useful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, right?
1: Um, I don't know if we are doing justice, completely justice to to this thing. So, method... Uh, involvement personal involvement disposition mm-hmm. encompassing of all of all other stuff mm-hmm. um, I think we're still missing one thing maybe okay or maybe more than one I can think of one mm-hmm. at least. maybe we're missing the the, the usefulness part of it jokes mm. aside right yes the fact that it is helpful to develop other skills and that if If you will start probably on an earlier age in the United States, maybe it will prevent all sorts of headaches that we go through with younger people at a certain point.
0: If you are good, a good philosopher, in like the truest sense of that, you will be better at everything else as a result of that. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely believe that because the tools you get even though you know it's not intrinsically useful, it is universally applicable, yes, if you do it right so you can, you could say philosophy is like um o negative blood right like and <laughs> you can give it a more positive yeah. you can give it to to everything and it'll work, yeah, it'll work if you want it to so you're you're pursuing truth, yes, right, and like there are there are ways that are better of pursuing truth that are that are more likely to be successful or not and like we keep coming back to this thing that it doesn't matter if you get the definitive truth right mm-hmm. because one of the ideas i was like from a thinker um is that you're like you're moving away from what's not true mm-hmm. right even if plato never says here's what beauty is at mm-hmm. the end of the dialogue. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Because yeah. now you know what beauty is not. Yes. And you're yes. and you're better because of it.
1: Yes. And this <sighs> is and this is important because again, if that is true what we're saying, that means that this the silly things that we do, which is this general education stuff that we do mm. that should all be philosophy, <laughs> if you want, right? We could we could we should take over that aspect at least. Mm. But uh, more seriously. I think what you're saying is important and it's important because, again, if that is really true, then you don't need to be, you don't need to be us. You you don't need to be a professional philosopher.
0: Absolutely not.
1: You don't need to be a professor of philosophy or a professional philosopher, whatever whatever that means. I don't think I am a professional. I don't know what that is. But you, okay, it's not necessary for you to make a living... Out of philosophy, for philosophy to be important to you. Absolutely. Philosophy can be and should be important to gain skills that then you will use for something else. As you were saying, if you're Mm -hmm. a good philosopher, you're automatically, in my mind, will be a better doctor than a doctor that's not a good philosopher because of the things that you were saying before. Because that doctor, the philosopher doctor, will be able to make connections that the non-good philosopher doctor is not going to be able to make. Mm -hmm. You are going to be a better engineer. You're going to be a better uh, lawyer, uh, even more directly, right? Being a good philosopher, which means studying philosophy, of course, but it also means having that mindset uh, that we've described, having that disposition again. Mm -hmm. Having that rigor. Having that rigor. Stop it. Having that rigor. That will help you no matter what you want to do, as you were saying before. Mm-hmm. And that is important to understand that it's not, I rarely, I seldom encourage anybody to become a philosophy major because I think that for sure you need to go and get a PhD in philosophy and become a professor of philosophy. I always encourage students to become philosophy majors. Because the students that we have, they have no idea what they want to do yet, mm. and some students are confused. All students at the beginning of their career are confused in the first two years, in the first three years. And philosophy is that the lifesaver, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 thing that can save you and lead you towards the path that you know. Because now all of a sudden you'd be like, okay. I'm interested in this thing. Philosophy is great. How can I apply philosopher, philosophy to that? Mm. Or wait a minute, I want to make my living helping others and being a doctor. Uh, well, philosophy has helped me doing that. The other way around, not possible.
0: I think you're right. It's like if you have the other occupation mm-hmm. and you have this mindset, you know, okay, what exact? what's the what's the scope and limit of what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Um, In what context does this make sense or not make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, this thing didn't work. Why didn't it work? What can I do differently next time to maybe see if that works, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of, how would you say, like, not just the process of elimination, but knowing how to proceed logically with things. Mm -hmm. And... We talked about argument, but I feel like it's it's relevant to maybe do a specific thing. So there's this thing we mentioned in the beginning about like, so does that mean there's like no answer or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I say, no, you just have to think about it. So if you have something like Hume, right, and you could pick anything. So Hume is concluding. That there is no self, right? There can be no idea of the self, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, how does he get there? What is that? Just his opinion? No, he's laying out his premises or his piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. Right? His first premise is that well, every idea needs to be based on an impression, right, or a sense experience. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, test that to see if that's otherwise. Think if anything you have an idea of is not of a sense impression. And you're going to find that that's impossible. Mm-hmm. So his second premise is um, you don't have a sense experience of the self. Mm-hmm. Conclusion, therefore, it necessarily follows there can be no idea of the self. And you look at that, and you're like, what do I do with this? And I'm like, okay, well, when you're trying to evaluate arguments, you do two things. Step one, you look at that relationship between the premises or the piece of evidence and that conclusion, that main point. It's like... If those things were true, hypothetically, mm-hmm. would that conclusion reasonably or necessarily follow? Mm-hmm. And the other thing you look for is, regardless of that hypothetical support, are the premises actually true? Mm-hmm. Like, let me think about this. And I'm always trying to explain, that's what you do. If mm-hmm. you want to see whether you agree with someone or if, exactly. it's, if it's good, you have to like look at it and think
1: about each thing piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed 100%. That is... But, you know, you mentioned there are two things that people are unable to do anymore. This hypothetical thing, Mm. it doesn't exist anymore. Because it goes two ways. Hypothetical means utopic, I'm making, you know, Mm. I am kind of thinking of things that cannot be. Or it means, what hypothetical? It's either true or not true. I can even think of the fact that this can work differently than what the way is described, right? Mm. There is this inability that comes from the fact that they are, People in general wandered away, even from the, full, the the faintest philosophical disposition that I I think it's sort of natural, right? I, I've never been a fan of people that say everyone is a philosopher.
0: Right. I've heard you say this.
1: I'm not a fan of that. But I think that the the philosophical gene <laughs> is everywhere. The capacity is there. Exactly. It's there for everyone. And for a long time, uh, at least in Europe, this gene, people tried to activate it throughout the schooling years, right? Mm-hmm. You get exposed to certain things and you eventually, you know, get there. We don't value that anymore again. So less and less people seen this glimmer of thing, of what could it be? Mm. Uh I need to say something else that's connected to this and but also connected to the thing that I was saying before because, again, this idea that everyone has this gene that, that we can do the things that you describe even if you're not a philosophical professional, right? Whatever it is, a philosophy professional. I don't want this to... I don't want people to think that this means that, in my opinion, philosophy is something that you can do amateurishly, right? As an amateur as well. Mm. So that's different. Okay, I don't think that the armchair philosopher does. I don't think that better than the well-read individual that has read Kant and has read Hume and has read uh, a lot of things in history of philosophy. The the personal culture mm. necessarily is a philosopher.
0: I think that's right because I think back to grad school. And there were people that were, like, way more well-read than me Mm -hmm. and could make references I couldn't and, like, knew all of these principles in abstraction but, like, didn't make anything themselves. Yeah. Um, And I feel like this maybe is related to that Aristotelian principle of prudence. Right? So having a vast, like, store of knowledge... An awareness of stuff, um, but not being able to do anything with it, is not what the ideal philosopher yeah. would do. It's like having that and no- and knowing how it would connect mm-hmm. to things beyond itself, and knowing how to do that in a manner that's most effective. So I feel like there's Correct. this element of originality, creativity, um, know-how that mm-hmm. that should be involved.
1: And I and I think that. Another another important aspect of this is and I know this sounds like contrary to some of the things that you read in the history of philosophy, right? But I think that's important as well. A philosopher is not necessarily somebody who has knowledge and even, you know, it is not just somebody who creates just a new system necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. But you need a practical aspect from it. Otherwise you are an intellectual. <laughs> mm. Which is different, again.
0: And not in the way you said before, because people are going to be like, but you said it wasn't practical.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, in a different way, right? You need to... And we have had this conversation when you when you told me, and you have said this on the air as well, uh, that you have said like, that in grad school you had people that were just doing this, closing oh, yeah. them, right? Yeah. And, and I think that that makes these people non-philosophers. Yeah. Because philosophy also deals with being able to... To being in the world, right? <laughs> to to do things, uh, to live according to principles that lead you to and we, we talked about this in previous episodes to the good life. Yeah. And if you divorce that from this specific thing, you're not doing... it's like you can you can be like great and doing and following all the steps that we have said. You can be involved into this, you can have this disposition, you can do everything. You can write and be creative and making good arguments. Mm-hmm. And then you are incapable to be happy because all you do is being in your room thinking about this and everybody hates you and <laughs> you don't have anybody. You are not a philosopher then.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the joke, I, you know, the, the piece we wrote for APA, right? Yeah. I just keep thinking, he
1: didn't even know who
0: Matthew McConaughey was. Just like see, things that seem silly like that, but are yeah. actually really relevant. Yeah. Um, like you listen to music. No, do you play anything? No. No. Do you do this thing? No. I'm like, Jesus! Like all you do is sit around and do this stuff all day.
1: So, but you see, but you see, this is also this request of being able to live. Mm. We don't ask of anything anybody else. You can be a good biologist and being Ah. a complete a complete failure of a human being. That's true. But you still be a good biologist. You're not a good philosopher if you don't have this practical component as well
0: because it's directly the oh, how we say this the way we would gauge whether you're a good philosopher is at least in part directly connected to the kind of life you're living correct whereas that is not attached in the other disciplines correct so I'll be cheeky here <laughs> philosophy does have a kind of instrumentality yes. to living the
1: good life <laughs> But not in any other way, you know, that yes. you would use that word. Yes, yes, exactly. So I think, I think we've been doing a, a, good, a good job up to now. I think so. Uh, I, is it completely exhaustive of what this thing is? Never. Nope. This is why we have the 2.0 stuff, right?
0: <laughs> that's it. That's true. That's why we're not the answer machine.
1: Yes, we, that's why, and that is why philosophy is this way, because we're keeping it honest We're telling you, hey, this is to the best of our ability and the best of our knowledge right now. What we think this thing is pending revision always
0: pending revision. So examine things, try to pursue the good, the truth, the truth, live well, live well, the beauty,
1: the beauty. We didn't even touch that aspect, right? Things also need to be. In a way. In a way. Well, that's that's for another time. All right. But so
0: We can end there by saying things need to be in a way, <laughs> as we <laughs> always do.
1: Yeah, that is true. And just to, that's the mantra, be rigorous.
0: Be <laughs> rigorous. <laughs> All right. See you guys. See you later.